welcome to the weekly podcast of Trinity Life Church. We are a local church that gathers in downtown Toronto on Sundays and all throughout our city during the week. Now our mission is to help people discover their identity and destiny in Christ so we can influence our city, our country, and our world. If you're looking for a place to call home, we'd love to have you. Our services are Sunday from 10.30 to noon at Jarvis Collegiate. Enjoy this week's podcast. Just a couple notes on this series before we, before we jump into it. We started it last week, um, and normally we preach through books of the Bible here, and we kind of go through those, or, or last, we were just in, in the Sermon on the Mount for like three months, right? So normally we're just going, going through something like that, but this series is more of a teaching series rather than a preaching series. It's more of a topical series. So the passage that Michelle read, I won't directly deal with, but it's underpinning everything I'll talk about today. So, and then throughout the series, we'll have, it'll be like that, where we won't walk necessarily through a particular passage. Some days we will, like Adam did last week. Um, he walked through, was it Ephesians 4? And, and, and went, went like that. Today, we're not doing that. I'm dealing with three spiritual gifts today. So in order to get it all out there and, and to teach you guys more on that, it'll be, it, it won't be me walking through this passage. But... <clears throat> um, Another thing is, what's really cool about this series is we're taking you through all 20 spiritual gifts up until mid-September. And, uh, and each, each week, we're hopefully having someone who has those gifts teach you on those gifts. Okay, so today I'm speaking on, is it up there? I don't, well, I'm speaking on teaching words of wisdom and words of knowledge. And Adam did, ap- uh, the apostolic and the evangelistic last week. He did a phenomenal job on that. Next week, we'll talk about giving. So invite your rich friends to that one. <laughs> I'm just kidding. If you're listening online, that was a joke. Uh, and then we'll, we'll go into leadership and administration. We'll, we'll, so we're, we're going through all the gifts. And also a note on this, the gifts aren't necessarily paired because they relate to one another. I just, we had 10 weeks and I had to put them all, I had to, put some three, some two, some are single gifts. So just so you know. And if you miss a week, it's all online, and I encourage you to follow up online because what we're giving you in these next 10 weeks or so is our common script as a church for what each spiritual gift is and how it works itself out in the life of the church. And you need to discover that. Like we, this is what this is about. The church can only operate as a church if we're operating in spiritual gifts. So in order to do that, you need to know what yours are, and we want you to discover those. And so as we go through these, like I said, we're going to teach through a bunch of things. We're going to give you a definition. The framework of every, of every talk is going to be the same with a definition, with what it looks like if you have this gift, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm actually using notes today, guys. And... So this is more of a teaching thing. So, because I don't want to miss anything for you guys. And and because this is what's going to inform how we live out as a body of Christ moving forward. Another thing is, um, like I said, we want you to discover these gifts. You can take spiritual gifts tests, which many of you guys have probably, how many of you guys have taken a spiritual gifts assessment, inventory test, etc.? Yeah, I, I see someone going like, eh, I went halfway through and then, 
and then no. Some of you guys are like, yeah. How many of you guys, those who, who you took it, are confident that those are your gifts? Okay. That's nobody raised their hand. I got, I got two people. So here's the thing about spiritual gifts, tests, inventories, assessments, whatever you want to call them. They're not, they're not foolproof. They, they can be good indicators. They can point you in the right direction. But the, the way that the early church discovered spiritual gifts, it wasn't because the Apostle Paul developed the spiritual gifts test. They discovered it as they lived out in community with one another. Okay, so that's what... Amen, yeah, thank you. That's a good, yeah. <laughs> that's, what we, <laughs> that, that's what we want to have happen in the church. We want to see someone operating in their gift and, and point that out in them and encourage them in that and, and build them up in that and help them identify it. And, and like I said, that's not to say don't take a spiritual gifts test. You go on our website. We have one linked for you that you can take. It's probably, wait, um, maybe like 100 questions or something that you can take pretty quickly. And... Um, and so they can be good indicators, but sometimes they're just not, they're just not correct. Uh, so we want to give you guys these definitions so that you know what these, what these gifts are and, and so that you can help discover your own. So what are spiritual gifts? Let's talk about that for a second because I've used that terminology a lot. I want us to think about gifts not in terms of abilities, but more in terms of ministries of how you operate in the body of Christ. Okay, some, we can get into this, into this uh, notion that spiritual gifts are special, supernatural abilities that every believer has and, and they operate in, but I find when we think about it that way, well, one, we've kind of imported our own, we probably imported our own understanding of, of special ability or gift in there, and when we think of supernatural, we think of something that, that is, that is like, uh, well, what do I want to say? When we think supernatural, we think something that is like so far out of reach for us or that looks so crazy or, or looks a little wild. Uh, these, aren't, these aren't necessarily supernatural. They're spiritual. So I want us to get in the habit of using that language. These are spiritual capabilities. We make space for the spirit. The spirit gives us gifts. He comes in. He deposits himself in us. He gives us gifts for ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. So you notice in every definition that we've used or that we're going to use through the series that, they, that each gift reveals something about God and his character. They're not supposed to reveal something about you. They're supposed to reveal something about God and point to Jesus as the, as the power of the Spirit uh, flows through us. So when you see, if you see someone using a spiritual gift and it's pointing to them, well, that's either not a spiritual gift or it's not being used correctly. And we'll, we'll talk through some of that some more as, as we go through. But I want you to know that these gifts are, are only through the power of the Holy Spirit. And, and yeah. So a couple things. Why, today we're talking about teaching, words of knowledge, words of wisdom. And you may say, those are not my gifts. Why should I listen this morning? Well, three, three reasons you should listen if those are not your gifts. And you, or you may say, wow, those are my gifts. And here's the same three reasons you should listen this morning. One is the unity of the body. 1 Corinthians 12 through 14, Paul, Paul lays, starts talking about spiritual gifts and he lays out this whole three-chapter treatise on spiritual gifts. A lot of times we just focus on chapter 12 and then we segregate chapter 13, which is the chapter of love, and we just put that for weddings. Well, no, that's a spiritual gifts chapter. 
Paul says these are spiritual gifts in chapter 12. He goes into love in chapter 13, and he says, if you don't operate in your gifts in love, you're just a clanging cymbal or a noisy gong. Nobody wants to hear you. You're annoying. You're obnoxious. Nobody wants to be around you. So your gifts have to be couched in love. If they're not, then you're using them improperly. So he puts that right in the middle, and then he goes into 1 Corinthians 14, and he says, earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. Desire them. Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. How many of you guys desire spiritual gifts this morning? How many of you guys are like, oh, I didn't know that's what I should be doing as a follower of Jesus? Paul says that's a command. Earnestly desire spiritual gifts. Ask for them. Seek God for them, and he'll give them to you. So those, so you may, like I said, you may be saying, well, those aren't my gifts, but maybe God is going to place in you today a desire for one of these gifts, and you should be earnestly desiring it. All right, let's go into teaching. We have... So you'll see here on, and this is, like I said, this is the framework that everybody who speaks on, on a gift throughout the summer will use. So you'll see the same framework for each gift. These passages, Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, Ephesians 4, are the three lists in the scriptures where spiritual gifts are listed. So you'll see here that some of the gifts, uh, like the apostolic or just in two of the, of the lists, 1 Corinthians 12 and Ephesians 4, and then some gifts are in just one of the lists, but this gift is in all three of the lists. It's in Romans 12, it's in 1 Corinthians 12, and it's in Ephesians 4, and there's the references for you. So this is the definition. Teaching is the spiritual capacity, remember that's the term we're, we're going with, spiritual capacity to communicate God's truth so that others grow in their understanding of the word of God and ability to live through the Spirit of God, okay? There's, that's, that's key there. If, we just, if teaching is just cognitive, then, then we haven't actually talked. It has to be transformative. So it has to work itself out in someone's life. So if you have this gift, it looks like this. Others increasingly understand truth as a, as a result of what you say about the Bible, if, if that's you, if you see people responding to the truth and understanding the truth and living it out because of what you say about the Bible, then you may have this gift. You may also have it if you have a deep passion to understand truth. And notice here, we haven't just relegated truth to the scriptures. Now, this book here, the Bible, is all true. We believe that. It's all true. There's no mixture of error in it. It is infallible. It is inerrant but it does not contain all truth. You guys following me? Right, like if I have a broken arm, I'm not gonna open this up and see how to fix it. So it doesn't tell me how to do that. But there is a scientific truth that says, well, you put a sling on, you put a cast, whatever, and you fix it this way. Okay, does that make sense? So it doesn't contain everything that's true, but it is all true. Okay, so the teaching gift, you're not, it, it's not just, like this is of course the like this is of course we love the Bible don't 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 get me wrong here um, but if you have the teaching gift you have a deep passion just to understand truth in general all all truth okay and you may say well that doesn't sound very specific because it's not like I have a deep passion to understand lies <laughs> but uh, but you know what I mean if you have this gift you're you're really concerned about the truth you're always explaining things you're learning to others if you have the teaching gift. You love to do that. 
my daughters, I have a seven-year-old and an eight-year-old, well, she's almost seven, um, they probably hate this about me. Because I'm always explaining to them why they do the things that they do, why they should do that, why they shouldn't do that. Uh, but but uh, at the same time, they might love it because they're always asking why, 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 right? So you, all, you are always explaining things to, uh, you're learning to others. Uh, you're able to discipline yourself to study the Bible. If, you're, if for you, you're like, ah, studying the Bible is so hard for me, it's, it's, it's just really difficult, this may not be you. But if you're like, man, I love to spend hours in this book and just studying the scriptures, and I love to give, to share that with people, uh, what I've learned, then that may be you. Uh, and then you find yourself overly concerned about words and meaning. That seems very specific, but uh, if, you are a, if you are concerned and deeply passionate about truth, then words and meaning mean a lot to you. I actually wrote a whole book on that thing right there, on words and meaning. So uh, that's me. Like, all these things are, are me. Uh, you are unsatisfied with unclear explanations, okay? A lot of you guys are, <laughs> some of you guys who, who may be uh, married couples in here are looking at your spouse right now because that one like, is a constant point of contention in your marriage, perhaps. Uh, you're unsatisfied with unclear ex explanations. Your teaching enables spiritual growth. That's key, guys. It's not just you, you love knowledge and you love to share knowledge, but it actually communicates and translates into growth. Then you're protective of the clear communication of truth in context and without error. Truth in context is, is, is vital. So latch on those two words, truth in context and without error. You're not comfortable with half-truths, and a truth isn't true unless you see it in its context. Okay? Uh, examples here in the scriptures, we'll go back to Jesus, but the reason we have Jesus in here is because we believe as a church that Jesus is our model, that we can look at Jesus in the Gospels, and we see Jesus as the model for these gifts. And he lived a life fully lived in the Spirit of God. And that life is actually possible for us to live. And you may say, well, he's God, he's, he's Jesus. But, but he was fully God and fully human at the same time. And we can go to Philippians 2. I can give you a whole theology on Philippians 2 and him humbling himself in the, in the form of a servant. Him, uh, yeah, talks about his divinity there. And he didn't, he didn't count equality with God a thing to be grasped. And, and Jesus is living a life to show us that we can actually live this life in the spirit and we can live it fully. And Jesus modeled every spiritual gift perfectly. Now, you're not going to have every spiritual gift, but you will grow in your gifts and throughout your ministry, and I say ministry because these are ministries, right? Throughout your ministry as a follower of Jesus, you will also gain more gifts depending on... on where, what situations God puts you in and opportunities. I'll talk more about that later. We see here the teaching gift in Apollos, Priscilla, and Aquila. Apollos was actually speaking, was actually teaching about things. Priscilla and Aquila noticed he was doing it wrongly, so they took him aside. They explained some things to him. They taught him. And then Apollos became this amazing teacher. And so you see teaching happening both ways there. And then John, the, the Apostle John here, you can read 1 John, those first four verses, and get a sample of, 
of someone who has a teaching gift, how they reflect it on the scriptures and just put it actually into the scriptures. So that is our, that's our basic framework for, for the teaching gift. And then five questions I want to give you guys in the teaching, in the teaching gift. We're, we'll answer all five of these questions for each gift. So I'm just going to walk you through them right now. One is, what does it look like to operate in this gift as you follow Jesus at Trinity Life Church? Like, if you, if you have this gift, what do, you, what do you do? What opportunities are there for you? Well, teaching is pretty easy. Uh, that's, that was probably one of the easier ones. There's Kid City. We need a lot of teachers in Kid City. And here's the thing with the teaching gift. There's different... First uh, Corinthians 12 says that the Spirit apportions differently. He, he gives to who, who he will. Like people operate in them differently. So you may have the teaching gift, but you would never want to do this. You may have the teaching gift, and, and you may be more equipped to teach kids. You may be more equipped to teach in a smaller setting. Or you may be more equipped to teach in a larger setting. Uh, you, may, you may have the teaching gift, and you may be more of a public speaker. Or you may, may be more of a curriculum writer. Those are, all, those are all ways that the teaching gift can manifest itself. So when you hear teaching, because I'm speaking on it and, and I have this gift, uh, don't think that your ministry has to look like this. It could look like spending time in Tiny Town with our toddlers and just showing them the love of Christ. It can mean, it can mean writing curriculum for our discipleship material or something like that. So it can, it can work itself out in different ways. Next, how can I develop in this gift? So if you have this gift, how do you grow in it? How do you mature in it? How do you develop in it? And at Trinity Life Church, we want to create environments where you have an opportunity to grow, to move forward, to mature in the gift, and also an opportunity to fail in using the gift. Because sometimes you just fail in using it. And a safe place to do that, where you will be picked back up again and you'll be encouraged. So how do you do this with the teaching gift? Well, <clears throat> Uh, there's, there's different ways, but mainly, you have to teach. I remember the first time I, I was asked to teach, I was in university, it's probably, I don't know, 18 years ago, and I didn't recognize this in myself. And I was asked to, to teach our university ministry uh, at, at the church I was at, and I said no. And they said, no, and, and the, the university pastor at the time, he said, no, you know, you're, you're going to be great at this. Like, you, you have all these things. And, and I'd never taught before. So he, he, was, he was like, no, no, let's, I'm, I'm, he kept on pushing me into it. I kept on saying no. And finally I said yes. And he gave me what to teach on. And so he's like, all right, awesome. I want you to teach on this Sunday out of the book of Revelation. <laughs> I was like... This is like the hardest book in the, in the Bible. And you want me to teach on this my first time teaching? And he's like, yeah, yeah, you'll, you'll do fine. He gave me some pointers and some tips. And it was pretty bad. I just remember it being pretty bad. Like it was, uh, I was in, yeah, it was, it was bad. And, but it was a safe place to fail. And, and I recognized something in myself that I hadn't seen before, that somebody else recognized in me. And, and then he started to walk alongside me and, and build me up and encourage me in that. So that, well, 
we'll go to the number four, but number three, and I'll talk about how to encourage people, but number three, what are some things that you need to be careful of when you operate in this gift? James chapter three, verse one, says that teachers have a greater responsibility because of their influence over other people, that they'll be held, held more accountable. So if you are a teacher, if this is one of your gifts, then you need to be extra careful with what you say. You need to be very cognizant that you're not leading others astray, that you're not pointing people away from Jesus, as opposed, or instead of to Jesus. And you need to be very careful about your words. That's why you're so concerned about words and meaning. That's why you're so concerned about context. That's why you're so concerned about error, is that you, you wanna make sure you're not leading other people astray, because people listen. All right, and then the next, next one, number four, how do I encourage those who have this gift? So this is for you who, who don't have this gift. How do you encourage someone who is a teacher? The simplest way is just, to, is just for me to tell you to encourage people in their gift. But the problem is most people don't know how to encourage other people. It's, it's uh, yeah, most of us will just, yeah, we just don't know how to do it. And so if someone is a teacher and what they've said has caused you to change something in your life, then just tell them. That's as easy as, as it gets. Like when, you, when, they, when they're teaching and they say something, you're like, man, that, I'm gonna take that and I'm gonna change this because of the definition, remember? It, has to, it doesn't just stay here, it transforms our heart and our life. That's gonna encourage the teacher. So there's good encouragement and bad encouragement. Bad encouragement, otherwise known as discouragement. <laughs> And I've received both when, when teaching. So one of the first times I, I preached at a church, I was, it was at a rural church. It's one of those churches where, where you stand at the door and everybody walks by you and you shake everyone's hand. Anyone been to a church like that? Peterborough? Come on. <laughs> uh, and, and why do I have my hand up still? I don't know. And, and so it's so awkward. If you're the speaker that day, it's so awkward to stand at the door because everyone feels the pressure to say something to you, right? Because that's the only way out of the place. So you're standing there, everyone comes by, and it's like, hey, good job today. And you're like, thanks. Uh, I mean, what do you say? Uh, and they're like, and then they walk by, they're like, good sermon. And you're like, praise God, I guess. I mean, like... <laughs> I want to say, well, what made it good? Like, what did you get out of it? But I also just want people to go. It's like, whatever, just, just go. Well, I'm standing there, and the whole line goes through, and this, this old lady, she's probably in her 70s, uh, she comes by, and, and I can tell she's nervous. I'm kind of nervous. I'm like, what is she going to say to me? And she comes up, and she, she looks at me, and she goes to speak, and then she stops. And she kind of thinks. And she goes to speak. She does it again. She thinks. And then she says, you touched me this morning. And then walks off. And I was like, that was the most awkward thing. And, and it's just not good encouragement. She, she didn't know what to say, so she felt like she had to say something. And, and what makes encouragement good encouragement is something that's specific. Like I said, when somebody says something, you're like, specifically, you said that. And specifically, it changed this in my life. One of the best pieces of encouragement I've, I've received from somebody, as I said, when they hear me, when they hear me preach or teach, they, they just want to go back and read the Bible more. 
and they want to they want to immerse themselves in the scriptures and hearing me and hearing me teach makes them want to spend more time in the word of god like that's that's amazing that's that's good encouragement um, yeah so you see the difference there so we want to we want to be able to come alongside a teacher with something specific uh, last question how is jesus our model this is matthew 7 verses 20 and 29 is the example that i gave it's the end of the Sermon on the Mount where, where Matthew writes, Jesus spoke as one who had authority. And he had authority because he speaks not from human wisdom, but from divine wisdom. And, and it says they marveled at it. They were, they were shocked by what he said because he's speaking with this, with this authority. So Jesus, we see, there's so many examples of Jesus modeling this. I mean, Sermon on the Mount was the easy one because we just went through it and I put that in there. But we can go all over the scriptures and see Jesus as the master teacher. So let's go to the next gift, words of knowledge. It's only in one list, 1 Corinthians 12. Is this is a spiritual capacity to reveal God's omniscience, so that is the part of God's character that, the word, that words of knowledge reveal. And just a note on this, we've, I've compiled these, these definitions, and if you have this section, all these things in our framework from various sources. I've, I've used, there's a church out in, out in Ajax, we've used a lot of their stuff. It's C4 Church. We've used some of theirs. I've used a book called Discovering Your Spiritual Gifts, I believe it's called, by the Clinton Brothers. If you want to check that out, it's, it's basically like a manual on spiritual gifts that was written probably 20 or 30 years ago. And, and it has uh, a lot of this stuff in there. I'm using another book by a guy named Sam Storms, just called Spiritual Gifts. And there's, there's other books. But if you want more, res if you want those resources, just, just let me know. Um, and then and then a lot of this, but all this, I've, I've really, a lot of this is just based on the scriptures, right? This is just taking this out of the scriptures and seeing examples of the script, in the scriptures of how these spiritual gifts have, have been lived out. So words of knowledge. Uh, and also, another note, all this stuff, don't feel like you have to memorize it, we'll give it all to you once we've, once we've completed the series. We'll, we'll have it all packaged for you. So words of knowledge. The spiritual capacity to reveal God's omniscience by receiving specific information from the Holy Spirit that leads to some sort of spiritual healing or growth in others. If you have this gift, it looks like this. You're sensitive to the Holy Spirit's promptings. You can recognize when certain thoughts or impressions are from God. Also a note on this, I'm not really a words of knowledge guy. We just kind of had to put this, or I, I just put it with these gifts. So if you have this gift, um, you can feel free to say something on it if you want, uh, or come to me or something. I don't know, however, however you feel. Uh, but this isn't, this, isn't, uh, this isn't necessarily me. I'm teaching words of wisdom, but I put words of knowledge in here because it's really related to words of wisdom as well. So your sense of the Holy Spirit is prompting. You can recognize when certain thoughts or impressions are from God. You find yourself in situations where you feel the Holy Spirit wants to do something, and you're given knowledge that could not have originated with you. The source is God. It comes from him. You have an awareness that God releases knowledge in a variety of ways. And that there's, there's a whole bunch of different ways that, that could look. We'll go back to the Jesus example. Peter, Acts 5, this is Ananias and Sapphira. Peter gets a word of knowledge. And Ananias and Sapphira, they, they go and they... Everyone was, like, giving stuff to the church. The church has just been birthed. Everyone's giving stuff to the church. 
and they're selling their property, they're selling things, they're giving the money to the church because they want the church to, to live on mission for the kingdom. Ananias and Sapphira, they sell a field, and they come and they only give part of the money to the church. But they say they've given all of it. And Peter receives a word of knowledge, and he says, the Spirit has revealed to me you have not given all of it. You lied. You aren't people of integrity. And they try to argue with him and, and all that. And then uh, Paul in Acts 27, in Acts 27, this is the chapter, one of the chapters where Paul is shipwrecked. And uh, they're freaking out. And he says, hey, guys, there will be no loss of life. The ship will not sink. And it's a word of knowledge that he gets. And he, he, he tells them, calm down. The Lord has us. It'll be okay. Let's go to the, to the next, next point. I'll come back to Jesus. Uh, number one, what does it look like to operate in this gift at Trinity Life Church? This gift can be used in, in really any environment and in various environments, as seen in, in the examples above. It doesn't have to be a small, a small group, a large group, or anything. But it's probably best pr practiced in our small groups. It's probably best practiced in BLGs, our body life groups. Uh, because, well, because of all those, all those things. It's, it's just a safer spot to practice those things. But like I said, it can be used in any environment. So just step out into it. And it just looks like you stepping out and taking a risk of faith. And this, this goes into the second one, how can you develop in this gift? One, practice listening to God through prayer, silence, meditation. If, you're a word, if you have the gift of words of knowledge, if this is your ministry area, one of your ministry areas. And <clears throat> also note on this, guys, there's so much I can talk about spiritual gifts. You most likely have a gift mix. You have different gifts that work together and complement each other. So most likely you aren't just an evangelist or you're not just a mercy person. You have a variety of gifts that, that operate together. Okay, so don't feel like if you have this, you're not, then you probably don't have something else. You probably have multiple gifts that work together, okay? Um, so back to this, practice listening to God through prayer, silence, meditation, and then take risks of faith, even when you're unsure if you're, if you're hearing God correctly or not, okay? This gift requires a lot of, like, stepping out and just kind of, like, hoping God, God works, and... And so, and then this leads into number three. What are some things to be careful of when you, when you operate in this gift? One, beware of making like thus saith the Lord statements. Because you've heard God speak and he's given you a word of knowledge and because you know it didn't originate with you. Like sometimes guys, this is, this is, I've, a friend of mine, he has this gift and this guy came up to him after, after uh, the church service, and immediately he, God told him that he was having an affair on his wife. And that was a word of knowledge. Like, he didn't know this guy. He, this guy just came up to him, and he got this, like, this, he just heard the Spirit say this guy's cheating on his wife. And, and what he could have done in that statement is just call that, or that, that, that uh, moment is just call that sin out and say, you're doing this, Judgment, condemnation, but one, he's not, he wouldn't be using his gift in love. Uh, two, he asked God when he should share this. Just because you receive something doesn't mean that's the time to share it. And just because you receive that 
doesn't mean that's how you share it. So what he said to the person wasn't you're having an affair in your life, but he said you're going to enter a season where, where you're going to love your wife like you've never loved her before. You see how he, how he didn't like condemn him in a sin, although he may deserve it, but he built him up with the gift and he said, you're going to enter the season, and immediately that guy confessed. That guy just like confessed his sin, and healing happened, right? What this definition said, it leads to healing in people's lives, okay? So with this gift, beware of saying, God told me this, because sometimes, guys, when something comes in here, it doesn't come out here like it came in here, right? Because it's gone through your sinful mind and, and your thoughts sometimes. So be careful with saying, God told me to tell you this, and just say something like, well, I, I really sense the Spirit is saying this, or I don't know, just I feel like this might be for you. Um, and then ask God when and how to say it. Ask for that permission. All right, how can you help encourage those who have this gift? Encourage them to, t to take a risk of faith, even when they've, even with what they've received doesn't make any sense. So encourage them to take a risk of faith. And when someone tells you something that you're like, that has nothing to do with me, don't say, that has nothing to do with me. Say, that doesn't make sense right now, but I'm going to take it to the Lord and see, and see what, what that's for. Uh, because you want to build them up and encourage them in, in continuing to live out in that gift and not crush them in taking that risk of faith to share that with you. And then Jesus modeling this. This is the woman at the well. Uh, the, one of the big examples for this is John 4, when he's in Samaria, he's at this well, this woman comes up to get water out of the well, and, and Jesus says something about her husband, and, and she says something back, and he's like, yes, that's right, the person you're living with is not your husband, because she says, I don't have a husband. He's like, yeah, you're right, because the person you're with isn't your husband, and you've actually had five different people. So that's, that's a word of knowledge that, that Jesus models for us. All right, last one, words of wisdom. This is a spiritual capacity to reveal God's understanding by receiving insight from the Holy Spirit and how truth may be applied to specific situations. If you have this gift, it, it looks like this. <clears throat> You're sensitive to the Holy Spirit's promptings. You see, that's the same as words of knowledge. You can recognize when certain thoughts or impressions are from God. That's also the same. This is also the same. You find yourself in situations where you feel the Holy Spirit wants to do something and you're given clarity and direction, that's different from words of knowledge, clarity and direction that could not have originated with you. And then you have an ability to see truth principles and transfer them quickly into application for the given situation. And you're able to take from your own life experiences <clears throat> and apply those learned truths to the present situation. Jesus will, will deal with John 8 in a second. James does this at the Jerusalem Council in Acts 15, where he just offers a word of wisdom after he's heard different people speaking. He says, this is the direction we should go. 1 Corinthians 3 is an example of Paul talking about, talking about uh, wis wisdom and giving a, a word of wisdom. Let's go to the questions. So what does this look like to, at, at Trinity Life Church? This is kind of similar to words of knowledge. It can happen in any environment. And, 
And I find this gift, though, most applicable in, in BLG environments, so um, body life groups, or in counseling. When I find myself operating in this gift when I'm counseling people. And, and so if you're a counselor, if you've studied counseling, we have a couple handfuls of counselors at the church, then this should be one of your gifts. If it's not, either pray for it and pursue it or get out of counseling. Uh, but this should be one of your, one of your gifts that, that you operate in. So, words of wisdom. Uh, yeah, those, yeah, let's go to the next question. So how can you develop in this gift? If this is your gift, how do you develop in it? Again, similar to words of knowledge, practice the spiritual disciplines of silence, solitude, meditating on scripture. When I say meditating, this is not Eastern mysticism meditation that's emptying of your mind. This is filling your mind. So when the psalmist says in Psalm 1, meditate on the law day and night, and it will make you like a tree planted by water. This is, this is an imagery of the tree of life. You will produce fruit. You'll yield your fruit in its season. So that's Psalm 1. Uh, and, and when the psalmist says that, he's talking about fill your mind with the scriptures. And that'll empty out the bad. Fill it with the good, it'll empty out the bad. So meditate on scriptures. Uh, and the person with this gift can go beyond the surface level of the scriptures like, if you think about the earth, you have the cross, you have the mantle, you have the outer core, you have the inner core. Like, a lot of times teachers are dealing with the, with the crust, and, and sometimes they go to the mantle. The person with words of wisdom can go below that and get to, like, really the core truth and see, see underneath these, these different levels, too, and, and, give, and give wisdom. This is also different from just wisdom. James says, ask for wisdom. Yeah, all of us have access to wisdom. Words of wisdom is, is a spiritual gift that's a little different from, from the actual construct of wisdom because, because it's when the spirit operates in you. And like I said, for me, I find it, find it mostly in counseling situations when I'm talking to someone about marriage or life decisions or dating relationships or jobs or, or things like that. And, and the spirit just speaks. So let's go to the next question. How do you, or what are some things to be careful of when you operate in this gift? Remember that you're the vessel for the wisdom, not the source of the wisdom. You're the, just the vessel, you're not the source. Remember to still fill yourself with wisdom. That's the scriptures. Uh, Proverbs is a really good book for that, the book of, the book of wisdom in the, in the scriptures. Uh, and then next question, how do you help others? How do you encourage those who have this gift? How do you help them grow in it and to mature in it? Uh, Many times you'll recognize a word of wisdom, not because the, the person giving it announces it. So whenever I'm counseling or whenever I'm talking to you, uh, I'm, I don't say, hey, I have a word of wisdom for you, and then proceed with it. I just talk. And so you may or may not see it, but a lot of times you will see it because you'll, you'll say, wow, I never thought of that, and I never could have thought of that. And that, that, sounds like, that sounds like something more than just Mike and his experience. And that's when, if you want to encourage somebody, if you notice that, just, just say that. Be humble when that happens. Because sometimes when we're in a situation with somebody and they say something that we would never think of or that we haven't thought of, our pride swells up. And we're like, I don't want to encourage them because they look better than I do. This is a spiritual gift. They're not the source, they're just the vessel. 
encourage them in that. Because hopefully that it's going to help you in your situation. And, and just, uh, yeah, just be humble. All right, how does Jesus model this? This is the woman caught in adultery passage. This is John 8, verses 2 through 11. Jesus uses the word of wisdom. They, they bring this woman who was caught in adultery, the Pharisees, the religious of the day, and, and they say, Jesus, what are you going to do? We should stone her. And, and what does Jesus say? He says, he who's without sin cast the first stone. And that's the word of wisdom. And they all drop their stones and, and walk away. Okay. So, four things real quick. We started with talking about pursuing spiritual gifts, how do you earnestly desire them, pursue them. Four things to do this with. Constant practice. You have to practice them, guys. You have to have an environment where you practice them. That's the church. But your gifts aren't just segregated to the church. They operate outside of the church as well. The, when I say the church, I mean like the four walls. Don't think the church is this. Like you are missionaries wherever you are. Your workplace, where you live, where you, where you eat, where you shop, your gifts operate all in all of those, in all of those spheres. Uh, number two, take risks of faith. Every spiritual gift is going to require a risk of faith where you, where you say, God, you're going to work through me. This is all Jesus working through us, and he wants to do that in you. Uh, number three, you need to dwell in the word. Your spiritual disciplines have to be in order, and you need to dwell in the word. And number four, you have to have an openness to the spirit. I prayed for the, I prayed for wisdom for, I've been praying for wisdom for about nine years. And I've been putting myself in situations where I require that. But I knew when God called us to Toronto, um, yeah, almost nine years ago, well, it's 2009, yeah, nine years ago, that, uh, that I would need this. Now, I wasn't really praying for words of wisdom. I was just praying for wisdom in general. And I said, God, I need this, I need this, you have, you have to give me this. Um, if you want me to, to lead people, I can't do this without this. I, I need this wisdom. I'd specifically pray for, for the wisdom of Solomon. I still do, like the wisdom that you gave Solomon. Give me that wisdom to, to lead people. And, and uh, it wasn't until two years ago that I took a spiritual gifts test. And like, I kind of bashed them early on, but this one actually <laughs> was pretty good. Uh, I took the spiritual gifts test, and... The, my number one, the top one that I, that I scored the highest on was words of wisdom. And it wasn't until then that I realized that God had gifted me in that because it caused me to look back and, and it caused me to look back and see, oh, wow, I've been praying for this. At that time, seven years, I've been praying for this gift for seven years. And I can see now where God gave it to me there and there and there. And, and he let, just helped me look back and see all those places where he used it in me. I didn't even realize it. And that's because, and I don't want to blame the church, but that's because we didn't have an environment where, where people were encouraging other people in their gifts and saying that you, you need to work more in that gift, you need to pursue that, you need to grow in that, you need to develop in that, and I want to encourage you in using that because you're a great teacher. I want to encourage you in using that because, because wow, you just show tremendous compassion to people and you have the gift of mercy and that heals the body of Christ. Or you are... You have uh, a servant's heart, and you have the gift of service, et cetera, et cetera. So we need, we need to cultivate this environment where we can do that with, with each other. And it was really cool looking back and, and seeing that, and, and seeing it above, like ranked above all the other gifts that I thought I had. So it takes constant practice, though. It takes us putting ourselves in opportunities where we have to take risks of faith. 
And we have to step out and just let God work. And it takes putting yourself in the word and, and having the word dwell richly in you and you dwell richly in the word and then just being open to the spirit of God working through you. If you can do those things, then you're going to discover your identity in Christ, your destiny in Christ. You're going to influence our city and the world with your gifts, in your ministry, for the sake of the kingdom. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for these gifts, these ministries, these capabilities that you've given us and that you've modeled for us. Father, show us how to live out in those. Show us how to uh, pursue love and and Father, make us a people of love that reflect your love for us. And that's a people who sacrifice for one another. That's people who are humble. That's people who encourage one another, who live the one another lifestyle. All the one another's in the scriptures who forgive one another, who, who just share life and carry burdens with each other. Make us that people so that when we operate in our gifts, we're actually operating as a body of Christ. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, and vice versa, because we do need each other. Thank you for the beauty of that. Thank you for the reality of that. Make us that type of church, we ask in your name. Amen. If you want to know more about the TLC community, check out trinitylife.ca, or you can find us on Facebook. Of course, we'd way rather meet you in person, so we hope to see you at a service soon.